motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the How To Property Podcast. It's a new year. It's 2021, and um, this is as live as we can get. Boris dropped the bombshell last night about lockdown three, tier 10, whatever everyone wants to call it. It seems like there's a lot of memes going around about it, serious or not. But um, today I'm going to take it back to the very beginning. So I've got, uh, you know, we've had plenty of good experts on and talking about their various journeys and the success that they've had. But I thought it's a good opportunity to bring somebody on who... Uh, is my tennis partner, my good friend, and he has recorded the audio book for me. So when that is live, it will be Phil's voice that you do here. And he has gathered a bit of interest in property since we've started playing tennis together. And he started obviously understanding a bit more about what you can do with property, how you can do it. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity for Phil to come on and interview me as a total novice and someone who potentially wants to get into property because I know many of the listeners are probably in the same sort of position. So without further ado, Phil, I'm going to let you take over the mic. Well, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's uh, it's a real honor to be on. I've listened to more or less all of your podcasts. And obviously, as you said, when I had to do the audiobook, I've read all of your book as well. So it's been a great way of learning and getting to know you. And I think Probably when you first started, we we just start, we met each other socially like years ago, and then you know knew, knew of each other. But then when Ryan moved very close to where I live recently, we started playing a lot more tennis, and I just kind of casually asked, you know, what is it you do? And your first answer was you just said, oh, I've got my property gig, and, and I said, well, what's that exactly? And you said, well, it's through Airbnb and stuff, and we didn't really get into it. And then the more we played, the more we spoke about it, and at first. I didn't understand it. I didn't I didn't get what you were on about. I thought this can't be a real thing. That can't <laughs> be a, a, even a viable business. And then the more we spoke and then I thought, God, this guy, this guy really does know what he's talking about. It's a real thing. So then I started probably like a lot of your listeners following you on Instagram, Facebook. And then I think I dropped you a message. And then within a sec, there was a thing, you know, yeah, can I DM you? Yeah. So it kind of grew from there. And then uh, we spoke about your book, and then obviously I read your book, and then I'd actually organised an, an actor friend to record it for you, but we found out that, that was going to be a rip-off, so it ended up <laughs> me doing it for you. And um, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm totally and utterly fascinated by the whole thing, and it's, I think a lot of people presume that property is a passive income. You do it, you leave it, you move on. And that is true in like your buy-to-let single strategy, but the more that we've spoken, it's actually the rent-to-rent side of things that is run more like a business, that is you systemize a lot of your process and minimize the use of maybe staff. I know you have staff, but not the vast number of staff Mm. you would need for the portfolio size you have. So I guess the first question that I'd kick off with is in rent-to-rent strategies, the main bit, the, the, the hardest bit is finding your direct to landlord deals and striking up a deal that works for both of you. Do you have like a go-to system in place that you think, right, I really want to expand rent to rent here. So I'm going to go through this channel to now find more landlords to get more deals. Um, well, I, I'm a numbers guy. So we know 
roughly how many conversations we need to open to get that deal. So I've trained the deal sources to follow kind of what I did, which was, you know, um, getting on, you know, open rent Facebook. I think Facebook's a wonderful tool because A, you don't have to pay for it. You know, um, 20, 25 years ago, I think if you want people into your business, you have to spend money on marketing. And you can do a lot of generic stuff on Facebook now. And you can get direct to the right people. Um, you've got to put the effort in, though. There isn't a magical Facebook group, unfortunately, where they all hang out and just say, yep, he's my properties, you know, which I think a lot of uh, some newbie property investors think there is. Um, but you've just got to, you know, you've just got to, be so active you know i say it all the time but if you're not doing 15 viewings a week you're not you're not doing enough and a lot of people say well that that sounds a lot well it is a lot but like if you want to build a proper business then you know you can't you can't do it for you know one or two viewings a week it just doesn't happen like that so i've always been about high activity levels and then once you start getting a bit of traction, you start realizing that your time gets pulled in other directions. So you do need to automate and systemize that. So I was a firm believer from day one that I would rather try and plug a software in that would run rather than plug an employee in. Yeah. Um, many reasons for that. I mean, I love all my staff and, you know, I couldn't have the business I have without them. But, you know, a software doesn't take holidays. They don't call in sick. They don't uh, catch coronavirus and have to quarantine. <laughs> um, you know, so it's um, for me, if I can build a system first, I will. But then I also still now, you know, it's, it's funny to talk about softwares and systems. Um, my bookkeeper, you know, we, we meet every Monday and we have a chat about the accounts. And, and she was just like, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. There's a lot of transactions going through the business now. And, you know, it's hard to keep on top of. So, you know, we sat down and, um, you know, looked at how we can use Zapier to create more of an automation for her side of the business. So it's not just to automate my tasks, it's yeah. actually to save time for everyone across the business so that they are constantly focusing on what I call the needle movers. And um, if you focus on them, I think you do get some good traction and, you know, you're always then heading in the right direction. I think a lot of business owners in general, and uh, especially entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they spend a lot of time in like tasks that they think they're doing. It's like, it's called overwhelm. So that they're like, you know, creating busyness rather than creating tasks that actually move the needle. So they, they like to think that they've done something that week, but their business actually hasn't moved forward. Whereas I'm very much just, let's focus on what's important. And, you know, the, creating the business card or making the website look pretty or the paperwork that's coming can just stay to one side because ultimately that doesn't bring any money in the, in the till. So, um, so activity levels is, is, is a big thing. And then if you can streamline the activity levels through systems and processes, it makes your life a lot easier. And do you like, you're obviously good with technical stuff, but do you like create this kind of software yourself or do you, are you applying like off, you know, off the market stuff. So for instance, like zero or QuickBooks, they're just like accounting software that I know of that would help your bookkeeper. Is it things like that that you say, right, well, let's get you that and that'll automate the transactions. Is it the same with your, you know, when a guest checks in? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess for me, Zapier is the key. So that's a tool that links apps together. Okay. But you can also, um, you do need a bit of, you don't need me, you know, uh, massive on your technology yeah Yeah. you don't need Bill Gates you just you've got to have a good understanding of how programs work and to be fair you know and and when people say I haven't got the knowledge to do something for me that's just an excuse yeah because 
you've got this thing called Google, and if you type in how to and then type in whatever you're looking for, it'll tell you. YouTube, yeah. YouTube's yeah. the same. I mean, like when I started doing your audiobook, it was like, well, okay, let's, I'm not too sure. How do you record an audiobook? And I mean, I sent Ryan a picture of this. I had set up my coat cupboard in my flat with a duvet over my head <laughs> as a recorder thing, and that is how you create a home sound studio. <laughs> But it's all there. I agree with what you're saying. All the information is out there for anything yeah. you want to do. So, um, so yeah. So I think um, you, you, with your systems, um, the best thing I've ever done, and a lot of people are blown away by this, but um, I, you know, I can create spreadsheets with formulas that just serve the business time and time again, and they save me so much time, and they save everybody else so much time, and they help us track key um, performance indicators quite easily. And um, learning that code and how to do that, it took a while, trial and error, but again, just how to, you know, get this formula on Excel or whatever it might be. And that in itself, you know, helped me put together my deal analyzer, which, you know, I've used and a lot of people, you know, obviously buy off me now and and they they absolutely love it as well. And um, stuff like that, I think is really important in this modern world of of business. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to move with the times. I obviously am massive on marketing. And I've taught myself, you know, how to run Facebook ads. But it's not just about how to, like, do the pixels and set the ads up and link it all together. It's, like, how to, like, write the copy to be able to draw an audience in. And I think that served me really well in terms of, you know, hooking people into the brand and then the brand delivers on the promise. And, you know, and then we we, we do a great job on the back end as well, which I think is key because there's a lot of companies out there, you know, there's a, a... current company at the minute who's you know doing a pretty bad job for people uh, they're, they're great on the front end but they're not delivering on the back end and it's sad to see you know so i think if you're going to promise somebody something you got to live by it and i think that's served me very well in terms of the growth of the business well on, on the marketing while we're on it because I, I know that's something that you really love you I, I don't know how big your portfolio is but let's say it's very large to a newbie like me starting out. Let's guess that you are, not that you would own them all, but you handle in the multiple of hundreds properties. Is a guess, right? Let's say 200. Is that fair? Good. Okay, let's say it's 200. What do you do, for instance, if nobody books in to use your rent to rent or you can't find your things? (laughs) Where Um, do you start there? That's got to be a killer, especially during everything that's going on now. Yeah. Um, panic's probably the first thing <laughs> that springs to mind. But um, in all fairness, I'm quite confident that that doesn't happen. I mean, even I, I did March the 23rd or whenever the first lockdown was, my initial thoughts were zero bookings in April, like not yeah. a penny across the doors. Um, we are diversified, so we do have HMOs and single lets as well and obviously other areas of the business that pull money in. So for me, it's not the end of the world if that goes off. I think at some point throughout your business, you're always going to have an, a revenue stream that doesn't perform. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have always worked with contractors and you know it gets talked about more and more now with service accommodation because that is who are still allowed to travel, even mm-hmm. as we speak. Uh, to put it in perspective, um, and I sent a, you know, a video out to all of our partners this morning about this, um, when March the 23rd happened, within the first seven days, last time we had something like 470 cancellations to a value of over £80,000. Oh. Yesterday we had one. Oh, what a result. So I do think the the difference in the lockdowns and stuff now are, are totally different. I think people are not as fearful of this virus and uh, people are 
maybe even just ignoring it because they know they just have to make ends meet now and it's you know and it, and it is that decision of, of of that rightly or wrongly but um so i also i think it's very rare that if you have enough property and you've analyzed it right you've got into it right because sure you know you're only going to scale to that size if you're doing it right at the beginning yeah. yeah you might get a few wrong in the first instance but if you persevere you know i'm a big believer in parade or loss or you know you buy 10 eight of them will work and two of them might not work but the eight that do work will ultimately make the whole pot um, pot make money so um and and i think if you're getting it right it allows you to scale with confidence so if you end up with a decent sized portfolio like myself then you've obviously done it right and you're obviously confident in what you're researching and what you're getting into and the deals that you're getting into and you know as i say like eight or nine times out of ten they come off and and we we obviously make decent money from them and even the ones that don't work so well we just monitor them uh we try and well i mean we 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 don't just try and drive bookings into the ones that aren't working well we just drive bookings all the time in the business and i think that's the key and and i think what's become more apparent with service accommodation especially and it seems to be a hot talking topic at the minute i've done a lot on clubhouse about it over the last couple of days yeah. but um is the people that have been running service accommodation as a side hustle or a hobby mm-hmm. haven't really got the time to treat it as the business that it needs to be treated as. Sure. And right now, it needs to be treated as a business. You need to be in it all day, driving the bookings, making sure that you're prospecting, you know, going out and doing, you know, van stalking and everything else that you need to do to try and get those direct contacts and not just wait for your Airbnb app to ping off and say you've got a booking. Um, you know, you're at the mercy of the booking channels by doing that. So, the business operators I'm seeing surviving all this and have actually done quite well last year and the ones that maybe got into it as a, you know, I'll just put it on Airbnb and, and I'll make loads of money, they're the ones that are handing keys back or maybe losing money because they're not driving the business into into um, into the the properties and, and it is a business, you know, service accommodation is a business. Well, it's almost leaning really on you're very close to being a hotelier really with what you're doing but you're not it's not all concentrated in one area using other people's kind of properties to do it just to jump back as well because i was confused the first time you said it when you said van stalking that's where you literally and you really presumably did this you go hotel <laughs> car parks yeah. look for vans and go like oh balfour b you must be working in the area and you send them an email the next day yeah so um i it all started at the beginning for me, a game where I, I just noticed there was this booking coming in and um, it was the same company. So I, I rang them and then got to know that, okay, contractors. And, and then I, I started getting more bookings from them that wanted more properties. And that's where my journey kind of kicked off with the service accommodation. And that's, I guess, why I've always been contractor-led because that was where I, I thought, okay, there's something in this. These guys are staying for months. They're going to come back. Whereas your weekend is, you know, you're stagging end party coming over Newcastle. They're only coming over for one weekend and they're probably not, come back ever or you know so even so even your football fans come and they're only going to come once a season so i thought there's that's the way to go but um is there other fields that you've tried it in which you know like for instance and this was a long time ago when i used to be pretty and i look like an old slag but i used to be an actor and when you're in any kind of repertory company you travel the country and it's you've got this really old-fashioned list where whoever you're working with, let's say it's the RSC. I never worked with them because I wasn't good enough. But let's just say they say, oh, you go to Newcastle, call Janet from Plumtree Lane. She'll put you up. And you stay with some old bird and she just wants to talk to you about the show. And, <laughs> and you don't want to. 
Have you ever tried that or like? Yeah, well, we we did um, just quickly jump back the van starting question. Sorry. So um, and then we'll jump on that because I think the listeners will, will like this. But um, yeah. I basically still do it to this day. Where um, <laughs> if I'm in a petrol station or if I'm anywhere and we see I see a van out of area, yeah. I could be stood like at the end of the road there having a cost of coffee. I'll um, I'll send it to the team. Be like, get onto them, get onto them, <laughs> you know. But uh, it works really well. But yeah, we um, prior to COVID, we were working with like the theatre companies, yeah. and you know, so there's not just contractors, but there is just contractors at the minute. Yeah. But uh, you know, hopefully, once all this vaccine stuff's kicks in and, and we can get our lives back to normal and we can start going to the shows and stuff again and they can get back to normal, then yeah, we were working with the theatres and we used to have actors staying. You know, as you say, they, they come up for like months at a time and yeah. they need the short term accommodation. So yeah, th- there's there's plenty of um, you know, industries that need short-term accommodation. It's just right now, it seems that, you know, contractors, construction workers are still allowed to work even through COVID. So that's where everyone's going. You know, those guys need to stay. They don't, they probably used to stay in hotels. They probably feel safer in their own accommodation now. So, you know, I think SA has become very popular for them. And if you do it right, you know, you can still make some good money right now. And do you, do you still host? Do you still go out and meet people at the property and let them in? Or is no. it all done? No, no. I've, um, I've, I've never done that. Um, <laughs> right. And um, I wouldn't have my staff doing it either because it's a total waste of time. So do you think Everything's it's... just automatic entry, you know, right. and, um, and, and exit. Uh, we've got everything in place to make that happen and, and, and run it smoothly. Again, you know, I don't really think we probably talk to 20% of our guests unless we see you know, clear signs that there may be potentially a, a contractor booking, mm-hmm. i.e. email address that comes through or, or you know, the, the, the length of stay or something. And then they will go after that as a direct booking. Um, but, you know, 80% of our guests will check, buy online, go through the process, check in, you know, stay, check out, leave us a review and never speak to us because of the systems that we've got in place to just automate that whole thing. Do you not think that's amazing? Seriously. Um, I mean, I, I, as you know, I've got a business. It's nowhere near as large as Ryan's. I've basically got a, a business called Quick Stitch. We've got 35 members of staff over four sites. And I get hounded by customers every day, good and bad. You know, thank you so much. That was a wonderful job. Or, hey, you've really knacked up my jeans here. You've got to come back and do it again. And it, it, there's never anything. You know, you might get five or 600 alterations per week, per shop. And I always hear about something good or bad. Do you not think it's amazing that you don't have to um, have that contact um, with customers? To an extent, I do think I do think sometimes we might be missing a trick. That one phone call that could lead to a bigger booking that we might think, oh well, they booked through a you know Gmail address, so we're not going to follow that up. Yeah. But um, I think you know the guest handlers are pretty ruthless with trying to get direct bookings because they are targeted, you know. So um, so you know they do push for it, so they probably ring them anyway, but. Um, you know, it's it's certainly the, the way I have it set up and the way that, you know, it was um, the, 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 a lot of the guests. I mean, I, as you know, don't get that involved in the operations yeah, these no, days. No. So um, I'm probably not as ear on the ground as I once used to be. But um, yeah, I'll try to like, make their life as smooth as possible. And just by, again, linking three or four different softwares up from, you know, a booking channel software all the way through to like a cleaning app we've got full visibility of what's happening. The guests still are in regular contact. They get the emails, they get the apps, they get they have to upload documents, sign contracts, all that. And that all still happens, um, but it all happens automatically. And only when there's a problem do we know about it. And, you know, and then they still review us at the end of it. 
Uh, if we get a bad review, uh, you know, my head of operations gives them a ring and, and finds out why and sees if we can do anything to smooth it over. And, um, you know, we just, you know, the review score is one of the KPIs that we measure on our weekly meeting. If we see them dropping off, we know there's a problem somewhere, so we dig into it. If it's going up, then obviously we dig into that as well, because I think it's it's good to measure success and, and you know, analyze why you're having success as well as just measuring the failure. So, um, so yeah, so I've got a great team around us now, and, you know, they... They allow me so much time freedom to be able to, you know, work on the business, um, try and, you know, be more creative with the business, find more revenue streams, bring in more funding for the, the sort of BRR strategy. And, um, you know, and they, they just kind of hold the fort now, which is great. So, And is that something that you just set out early and would advise as good to, like, for instance, I'm sure people that listen to you will know this, but you are obsessive the wrong word but you you really get addicted to things oh, yeah. like i mean when we started playing tennis you told me i was a scratch golfer and then we started playing tennis went from playing once a week to every morning before <laughs> eight in the morning and it was i really got into it so i mean i imagine you someone who probably struggled to relinquish control at the beginning oh, yeah. yeah so at what point do you kind of say look you know whoever it is that works for you this is your job don't bother me with this this is now yours unless it burns down. Pretty you much, know. yeah. Yeah. It's, I think as entrepreneurs, it's hard to to let that control go. I think you do. You always think, I can do the job better than anybody and no one can do it as good as me. And and I was like that. And I have been like blown away by some of the, the stuff uh, that some, you know, all my all my staff have done. You know, I've got, um, uh, you know, I've got, you know, fame, my marketing girl. She's like blown me away in the last six, seven months. What she can do for her age is like phenomenal, you know, yeah. but these kids have got like this knowledge that we don't have because they're so, you know, they're in it, you know, they grew up in that industry. You know, my, my kids the other day, I, I mentioned I didn't have an iPad as a kid and you should have seen the look on their faces. They were like, you what? You didn't have an iPad as a kid. I was like, no, they didn't exist. And they're like, they just couldn't get that through their head. But, um, the minute that, and, I, and this is one thing that, you know, whether, you know, I'm consulting or, or speaking to anybody that is involved in business, you know, and um, it, it's, you've got to, from day one, always have a plan to work out of the business, out, well, no, work out of the operations of the business, because that will grow your business further. Sure. But a lot of people, and I was the same, oh, I can't take any staff on because that's an expense. Mm. Start looking at your staff as an investment in either getting you more time back so you can bring more money in or just giving you more time back so you can enjoy yourself more, you yeah. know, and, you, and your business is still going to move forward or still maintain the level it's at. And, you know, you've got to train your staff and you've got to work with them. It's not just a case of finding these magical staff that all of a sudden, you know, want to come in. But, you know, I've got, I think everybody in, in the company is bought in the vision of what we want to achieve and they will, you know, go the extra mile to achieve it. And that's, that's a great position to be in. And, you know, I'd be sad to lose any of them because, you know, they are, they are, you know, a players and, and, and they do, they help me a lot to be able to do what I want to do. Um, but if I was starting all over again, I would definitely have done it a lot earlier in terms of getting the help and stopped penny pinching. Yeah. Um, I say it all the time and everybody says this, but don't do your own DIY. Don't do your own refurbs. Sure. But you always think, oh, I'm not going to call someone out and get a 50 quid call out charge. And you're yeah. like four hours later trying to put a curtain pole up and then you pull the holes out and you end up ringing them anyway. So yeah. uh, it's just, you learn all these things. And in all fairness, you know, all the podcasts I was listening to, all the books I read at the time, they 
told me the same, but I still ignored it. Of course. And you've still got to figure it out for yourself. Well, I know that time's precious and we're probably getting cl- or nearing the end of the time that you wanted to aim for. Oh, no, we're oh, we can keep going. We can keep going. Oh, well, good. Well, if I've got one more, I guess, that, well, I've got two more. One's going to be about the future and the way that you see it all going. But this one, for the, the time being, still sticking on SA, if that's all right. I imagine the main reason that people steer out of SA is because it seemed like harder work than buy, refurbish, let out, you know, which is linear you can understand exactly how that works and probably requires less input on a daily basis than than an SA business would as the SA business I would imagine the hardest bit is trying to organize the standard of the property to be kept to a consistently 100% perfect level so the next time that one guest leaves and the next one arrives it's all perfect like a hotel room would be I know that you have cleaners in place to do it but what kind of systems you put in place for the cleaners? How do you find the cleaners? How do you get them to run so efficiently? Because that must be the hardest bit. Yeah. No, cl- yeah, cl- cleaners are, cleaners are your, 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 your golden ticket, really, in terms <laughs> yeah. of accommodation. And you've got to treat them that way. Um, my head of operations started as a cleaner. Right. And she, you know, outshone everybody and would go the extra mile. And then she started doing... Um, so she started doing like ten check-ins and viewings for me, and um, she just was interested and wanted to do more. And, sure. um, and and I could see that in her. So I, I give her more and more responsibility, and she's you know brought the results with that responsibility, which is great. So we we are con- we have a constant recruitment on for cleaners mm-hmm. because you'll have like a core that'll stay with you for quite some time, but your the majority of them only last about ten weeks. Yeah, um, that's just, quick. I mean, that's a fast yeah, generation. it's just the, the nature of it. And also, what's a, a lot of people will get an essay and they'll probably ring like the house cleaner or just pick up. There's a big difference between cleaning the residential house and cleaning an essay. Mm-hmm. A couple of examples like my cleaner will come to my house here and she'll make my bed. Yeah. She won't change my bed and check for hairs. Yeah, you know, yeah, she certainly doesn't go in my fridge and empty my fridge out and make sure that you know no one's left any cheese in the fridge or or, or in the drawer. You know, so there's a lot of things, socks in drawers. You know, um, and it's um, you know there's a lot of other stuff that you find when the weekenders are around. Sure. If you can <laughs> imagine <laughs> down the back of the beds and stuff, and you know if you don't get that and capture it, the next guest goes in. It could be a family, you know, and yeah. um, so. Your cleaners are your lifeblood. And again, like any member of your staff, you've got to train them, you've got to work with them, you've got to incentivize them. And, you know, we just have, so we have, like Gemma runs them all. Um, She's come from that background. She knows that inside out, you know, much better than I do. So there's no point in me trying to train them how to do it. Mm -hmm. I just help Gemma become a better manager. Yeah. You know, that's my role. So um, she's starting to do that and she's fantastic. And, you know, even just little things like, you know, she'd go and inspect the properties, but she'd tell them when they were going to inspect the properties. So they're always going to behave and do that. Sure. Whereas I'm sure you'll know, just dropping in on your shops is yeah. a lot more impactful in terms of catching them at their job and seeing what the true standard is. So, you know, just little things like that. But, you know, she does that now. She does the rounds and go out. and That just helps maintain the standard. It keeps them on their toes. And, um, you know, but all the cleaners do a fantastic job for us. Obviously, they've had to go through a lot this year as well with the various... Um, you know, restrictions and the safety measures that you have to go through, the extra stuff that we've had to do. Yeah. Um, but they've all responded very well and um, you all kept themselves safe and, and you know, and, and then kept our guests safe as well. So it's, 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 
It's been good, but yeah, the, the clean side is a challenge. Uh, you need to be constantly recruiting, constantly managing them, and um, it is it is a full time job for someone. Of course, yeah. <laughs> for, and that, that's the perfect perfect way to say it. Um, just quickly looking in the future, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I know that you've hinted at it in a few conversations we've had. But my guess, though I could be wrong, you won't be shocked to know I've been wrong before <laughs> that. At the minute, city centres seem to be emptying because there's no people going into offices. Mm-hmm. Offices are obviously in city There's a famous street in Newcastle where Ryan and I both live. It's called Grey Street. It's very beautiful. And basically all the bottom of Grey Street, all the, the ground level, is bars and restaurants that are now derelict. And above them have been offices, which are also now derelict. There's yeah. no, nothing in them. They, to me, would screen prime sites for serviced accommodation or, you know, hotels or however you would choose to run them. Would you ever have any ambition of trying to convert city centre office space into residential use or serviced accommodation? Is that an area you like? Yeah, well, we've, we've actually got some Granger Street, Dean Street, places like that, so oh, yes. which have already been converted. Um, they're doing shite. Really? <laughs> so, oh, sorry, uh, yeah. But in all fairness, prior to COVID, they were fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, this COVID thing is, you know, we keep saying I think we're near the end and, you know, I don't want to sound like Boris, but um, <laughs> I do generally think March is, and I, and I said this for a while, March is the, the turning point for us. And, I agree. I think um, it is And life gets back to normal. What we've lost in the city centre stuff is not only, like the contractors aren't interested in the city centres. They just yeah. want to park their vans outside because they want to A, protect their tools and they just want to be able to go in and out with each. They don't want to be going to NCPs, parking up, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, unless they're working right next to, you know, where they're staying. What we've lost in is obviously the weekend traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost the football traffic every other weekend um, throughout the football season. Concerts, uh, big rugby events. And then... The main thing that we used to get through the weeks in the city centres were your sales exec who might come up from York on the train or Leeds yeah. on the train for a meeting at one of these offices. We're talking about being derelict now. Mm-hmm. Now it's just on Zoom. Yeah. So they're not travelling and they would stay overnight because they might box a couple of meetings in. And, and we used to get a lot of that traffic through the week. So that's disappeared as well. But it's, it's going to come back. Listen, this is just a is. phase, you know. We, we cannot be locked up forever. Businesses might change. Uh, I think a lot of businesses will probably continue the work from home gig. I know I certainly will because I actually feel like I get more productivity out of the staff. I feel like the staff, you know, I don't mind if the staff, you know, I don't. they don't need to be at an office nine or five to prove that they're good to me, you know. As long as they achieve their KPIs, if they want to work two hours a day, I'm not bothered as long as they achieve their KPIs, you know. Yeah. And I think the the work at home does give them a bit of that sort of time freedom back and that flexibility to maybe manage their own diaries a bit rather than having to sort of clock in and clock out. Um, that kind of a lot of businesses operated under prior to COVID. So I, I will continue to do that. Obviously, we have the cost saving of not an office, you know, yeah, anymore. Sure. And that for me, I don't really feel like we need an office. You know, we, we've adapted very well to the remote working and... It's it's serving us well, so we'll continue to run it that way. You know, a lot of our staff are actually out on the road anyway. You know, the deal sources, the cleaners, the operations managers. You know, I like them to be out and about. And um, so, but yeah, the, the city centre stuff has come back. I do think there's an opportunity there. The downside of that is obviously the cost to acquire those buildings compared to maybe say a rundown social club in 
yeah. you know, the fringes, and you could probably convert that into five flats or three flats or whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's actually what I'm looking to go into this year and um, hopefully get some stuff like that because the blocks of fa- flats work really well for us for service accommodation. So, um, you know, social clubs, um, old B&Bs, all that sort of stuff is, is where I want to go this year, as well as just keep ticking on with the, the single lets, you know. That is... That's the bread and butter for building the net wealth. Of course it is. You know, yeah. the, um, yes, we turn, you know, we do BRR into HMOs or into service accommodation. But, um, you know, up here you can buy a lot of BRRs, uh, single lets, you know, as you know, there's houses for, you know, buying flats for like 35, 40 grand and yeah. 50 grand, 60 grand. You know, <laughs> you know and, and, and you can get your money out. You can make them cash flow well as single lets and, and they work incredibly well. So you can move quick on that strategy and, yeah. you know, and, and, and plug them in. And, um, so I want to do a lot more of, of that and that'll, that'll continue within the business as, as long as it goes, I think. And then the rent to rent side of stuff and the managed side of stuff is just the, the quick cash flow. And, um, you know, we can acquire five of them a week, you know, yeah. you know and I think that's the bit that got me when we first started talking, I always imagined property in one way that you have to own it in order to really get any money out of it. And then the more I've got to know you and the more you talk about it, really, Properties are too for in this part of the world is for great cash flow, not necessarily for capital appreciation. Which is why I would initially, when you said like this rent to rent Airbnb, I thought that can't be a thing. But the more I've got to know it, you realize, nah, like don't scoff at it. That's like, hmm. yes, it's got a lot of moving parts and it takes work, but that's a proper business and it's actually really maybe not un- underutilized or undercated for, but there's a lot of scope there because there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of empty buildings that you necessarily don't have to buy and own to make money from mm-hmm. you can just do it and when you start generating that cash flow as you've done which must be exciting for anyone listening to think that you did a youtube video you know we worked on it together how to make two thousand five hundred pounds per month per month within three months uh from a rent and strategy i mean that's yeah, that gets most salary. people out of their jobs, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, so average salary is like 28 grand, whatever it might be. And and then it's amazing what you can do when you can work on that business full time. Exactly. And, um, and continue to push that strategy because you've got the knowledge and you've got the confidence and, and everything that goes with it. Um, the downsides of rent to rent is obviously, you know, it can get pulled from under your legs for, from, for at any point, yeah. which is the fear factor. But at the same time, I truly believe that what we offer on a rent to rent basis is better than any tenant can offer a landlord. So... As long as there's no covenants come in or any, you know, um, anything that legally stops it happening, the landlords, that especially the ones we work with, they don't even ring. You know, they don't ask to come and inspect the properties. They just know they're looked after. They get their money every month, and they're happy as Larry. We don't bother them for maintenance or anything. So it works very well for them, and I think they'll probably. Um, sit on the other side of the fence and say, as long as Ryan wants them properties, he can have them, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, I actually have one landlord who he stopped buying property because he got so fed up with managing tenants. And then I started taking his properties off him and now he's buying properties again for me. So he actually like says, what do you think of this one? And That's can we brilliant. use this as this and that, you know? And then I just, you know, give him his rent and, and then we run them as we run them on the super rent strategy. So, there's there's so much you can do with property. I think I see a lot of experienced property investors who won't do rent to rent. I actually think they're missing a trick because they've got the skill set. They've probably got the processes or thereabouts. Uh, they've got the knowledge 
and they've they've probably got the money, you know, why not increase that cash flow by, you know, doing a strategy that you could do probably with your hands tied behind your back. No, um, but each to their own and um you know you don't have to do it and just for me i think it's a a great strategy to mix in for quick wins alongside a sort of long-term medium to long-term plan of net wealth and then obviously the cash then allows you to diversify into other things you know but you know uh, i think they say the average millionaire's got seven revenue streams and um, i think it's important to have those multiple revenue streams coming in at all times. And, um, you know, as COVID happens, one goes off, at least the rest to carry on. Whereas a lot of businesses, they're just one track, you know, one track minded. And, um, you know, if it goes off, it goes off. It's And, and, and then it's panic stations, you know. Well, we'll end it on my last question anyway. Obviously, anything more you want to say, continue. It's your podcast. But um, you've now, you've got a property business, a service accommodation business, but probably that you own in your own portfolio. You're a published author. You're a scratch golfer. You're almost an ATP tennis player. What what would you want to do personally for yourself next year? I know that you're aiming for a thousand properties in your business. Is there a target that you've given yourself personally to think this is what I want to do in 2021 for yourself? I know you keep fits. Is there anything like that that you're aiming for? Um, no, I'm not going to be challenging the DAL anytime soon. I don't think. Don't know, but, uh, <laughs> the, um, I think my, you know, my personal business side. I, I I'm so passionate about my business. You know that that is me as a person. Yeah. You know, so um, I want to you know acquire a lot of property this year. I want to. Uh, we've already started the wheels in motion to take the service accommodation over to Dubai. So um, I've got a, a deal sourcer on the ground out there working already. Um, he's he's been you know identified fifty properties this week alone. So we're already opening channels there. I'd like to think that we probably have ten or twenty over there by the end of the year, um, which would be great. Obviously, I used to live there, so it'll give me the chance to go back. So I do love the place. Um, I'd like to um, you know just. I'd like to go on holiday. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I'd like to spend a fair bit of time in Portugal with the kids in the summer and, yeah, just enjoy holidays again, you know. But if I can get back to Dubai for, you know, business purposes and, and mix a bit of pleasure in there this year, then that, that'd be great. And um, Good girl. Yeah, and there's talk of taking the kids to Disneyland because they're getting a bit older. So oh, I, um, I think um, that would be a nice little end-of-year treat for everybody. And, you know, after... Hopefully, you know, quarter one, yeah, we're still in this COVID thing. But then after that, it's hopefully going to die off and we can all just get back to normal a bit, whatever that is. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so, but yeah, so um, anyway, Phil, absolutely, you know, amazing podcast. I think yeah, the listeners will agree. Um, it's, we've obviously had experts on and um, everything in between. So it's nice for, I guess, me to be interviewed on my own podcast yeah. and uh, come from a, a fresh thought process of, of a you know novice property investor hopefully i mean my question to you is when are we getting your portfolio going uh to, to to tell you the truth and this is probably the answer that most of the people will have i'm fearful at the moment of trying to start for instance a service accommodation rent-to-rent business with everything that's going on and that's my own fear and panic and realistically as i said i've got my own business my, my fear and worry is inside getting that business to survive, which I think it will by March. And then really, I'm thinking there'll most likely be a slight downturn in the market in March, April. That's when I would hope to try and jump 
on a buy, refurbish, refinance strategy, and then also throw in a couple of service accommodation. So just so you know, and we can check in, I've kind of set a target myself. Uh, I live with my girlfriend in a flat that I own at the minute. The hope is to buy a house with my girlfriend later in the year that we'll both move into, put the flat that I have, refinance the flat I have, and then rent that out as serviced accommodation, and then try and get three or four more by the end of the year. So house that I own, the flat obviously that I own as serviced accommodation, and then another three or four to get it to like a portfolio of five by the end of the year. But the thing at the minute that is preventing me diving into doing yeah. is just thinking, oh God, I just... Every it's changed literally. I mean, on Monday when I woke up, it was the first day back to work. I mean, there's you know, chipping rolls like, wow, come on, it's going to be better 2021. And by like midnight last night, it was like, okay, everyone back home, close the doors. <laughs> so it changes so fast. So I'm yeah, treading yeah. cautiously. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, there are, there are, there's a lot of nervous people out there. I think what I would say to that is, you know, if you know what you're doing, the best time to do it is obviously now, yeah, and. You can never time the market in property. So if you're going to be doing sort of BRR stuff, especially where we are, it doesn't, you know, I think in 2008, it, it only moved about 6% or 7%. So it's yeah. not going to tank. And you're talking that on like, you know, sub 100, 200 grand property. So it's not going to like be massive amounts of money. Um, on the rent to rent side of things, you know, I do think, I do think that this is a good opportunity to get in because landlords are struggling to get properties rented, especially your HMOs that were once rented to students. And, uh, you know, with the restrictions, some people are not moving about as much. And so it's, um, for me, we've, we've been picking up properties and continue to do so. And, you know, I think also you've got to, you're not just getting into property for the next nine months. You're getting into property for the next 20 years, hopefully, yeah. you know, so you've got to look at it that way. So what is three months in 20 years? It's a very, you know, it's a bit like when I'm on Peloton bike and the trainer's saying, what's 30 seconds in the next 24 hours? And you're like sweating like mad and going, please leave me alone. <laughs> but um, they're right. You know, it's such a small amount of time in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, you know, if you want something and you want to do it, then, you know, obviously you're very occupied with your other business. But, um, you know, for any of the listeners out there who are like, they've been bubbling away at it for quite some time. Like you're fairly fresh to this. I mean, we're talking yeah, sure. like, you know, eight weeks, maybe 12 yeah, weeks that yeah. you've kind of had your eyes opened. You know, there's a lot of people out there have been doing this for like six to 12 months and still not made that leap. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, you, you kind of almost creating reasons why you're not going to do it. And I think if you, if you don't just do it soon, you're probably never going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, the harsh reality is probably that. And sometimes you do need that kind of sucker punch in the face to, to, to wake you up and say, do you know what? Enough's enough. I just need to start taking some action now. Yeah. And um, so my advice to everyone is don't try and time the market and just get stuck in. Um, as my favorite brand, Nike say, just do it. Just do it. It's the best slogan. <laughs> yeah, best. So, uh, but um, well, um, listen, great podcast. Um what have we got coming up? Obviously, as always, if you want to join the Seven Figure Property Empire Facebook group, head over there. I am on Clubhouse these days, Ryan, Luke, and we're doing loads of stuff. I keep getting invited to loads of rooms to be a moderator, which is fantastic. And I'm not sure how long this Clubhouse thing is going to last, but at the minute, it's brilliant. Um, if you are wanting to get basically daily podcasts um, into your into your phone whenever you want them around property with some great speakers and some some you know knowledgeable people, then try and get on there. 
Um, and we shall see you next week. And don't forget to listen to the book once, uh, once yeah, we get it up and done. Uh, yeah. yeah so. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. And thanks again, Phil. Thank you.